Good Monday morning. As you can see behind me, we wanted to give you another view of our soundstage area, and that's the main floor down there below us. And there are a couple of floors with a lot of things. So now that COVID restrictions are being eased, if you would like to come visit us on a particular Sunday, please just send me an email, patrick at rsafeharbor.com. And we, if at all possible, we'll reserve a seat for you. We can only hold here a limited number of people, as you can see on the different levels. But now we can hold a few more and we do a parking shuttle to get us here so that we're good neighbors to our, the people who live in this neighborhood. We always want them to be happy that we're here. So that said, this is part three about what the, who told you about Catholics, Protestants, and Jews. And you really can't get anything in this unless you've also heard the other two. Two weeks ago, quite long. Last week, a bit long. This week, I hope to be shorter and get back into the shorter because I don't want listening to these to ever be a burden to you in any way at all. This is our third. Uh, to Catholics, there are two kinds of families of faith in the Christian world, Catholics and others. Now that's, that's a broad generalization. Individual Catholics and individual Catholic theologians have a different take, but by and large, Catholics look upon anyone else as just non-Catholic. And that's, I, I get it. So if you're a Catholic, you may be really interested to hear, Protestants look at the world very differently. Uh, they, they're all over the place on how they view the Christian community. There are uh, Protestant churches, that build, they are back to the Bible churches, and they want to establish the original church or as close as possible to the church in the New Testament. And they will emphasize the New Testament and they will um, they'll hold it up and they'll say the pattern is in here. The, they will write books about patterns and they will write uh, great sermons about patterns that must be restored for the, the true church to be on earth. Uh, my late cousin, Frank S. Mead, uh, wrote the Handbook of Denominations in the United States. and. He passed on some time ago, but they still review that and, and renew it and republish it. It is astounding how many, there are hundreds and hundreds of them, Protestant groups started because they said, no, nope, these are all wrong. We're going back to the Bible. They would grab a different aspect of the Bible to go after. I can remember being in a meeting with, uh, between people in my, uh, the tribe I was raised in was the Churches of Christ. And there was a meeting with the Church of God uh, that is formed in Indiana. It's, a, it's, a, it's its own group on what can we do together if we can do anything. And the holiness group, the Church of God, asked us, well, what is your theology on holiness? And we were kind of lost on that. You see, they believed that what needed to be restored was the holiness in the New Testament. Well, we thought what had to be restored was the church, its worship, its organization, and its doctrine. And we found that we had gone to the same well, but we had brought up different kinds of water and declared it to be the thing God wanted restored. It's not unusual. It happens a lot in Protestant churches of all stripes. Even those that claim they're not Protestant, they are the independent one true church. There are those who believe that um, Truly, you cannot be saved unless you are a member of that particular 
denomination, sect, Protestant group, whatever you want to call them. And then there are others that are niche denominations. And this is, I'm aware this could come across as negative, and I really don't want it to. They serve people who need a particular type of worship and a particular type of lifestyle, and it feeds them. And so, uh, you know, I've had people talk to me and say, you know, I love the sermons and I, I love the people at your church, but I really miss the organ music and, you know, the high choruses and such. Okay, there are churches that will do that and they do it exceptionally well. And you are not a lesser Christian for needing that to fill, feed your soul. Go be fed, go with God. Niche is important. All of us, all groups are really niche groups if, we, if we're honest with each other. Some are niche groups because they're founded, they're founded around a person, a personality, uh, or two or three personalities, or a husband-wife team. And that's the focus. So there's so much variation in Protestantism. Protestants also tend to make a real hard point that other groups that are around, like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, I don't, some of them would even include the Amish and Mennonites, they're not real Christians. I don't think that's up to us, so let's just not do that. I don't call myself a Protestant. Last week I was plain that I'm not a Catholic. Uh, though I believe they are saved and I love them and a lot of them love me back, which I really, really appreciate. I'm not a Protestant either. The first reason I'm not is because I'm not protesting anything. I'm not protesting the Catholic Church. I'm not protesting the Southern Baptist Church. I'm protesting. I don't think that's my job as a Christian. I don't consider myself a critic of the Catholic Church or any other church. It's not my job. You know, you're not gonna find a Monday morning messages on the 12 errors of, and then fill in a denomination name. I'm not gonna do that because God told me I could only point out errors in others when my entire eye was clean of that log that was in there. And uh, frankly, between you and me, don't tell anybody, it's still bits in there. So I think my job is to not throw the stone because he also said, he who is without sin tossed the first stone. So no stone tossing here. We don't allow that in this, in this forum. I understand the, the, the niche groups. I understand those and the true hearts and of pure motivations of those who want to get back to the Bible and restore the one true church. And I get that we were going to need different forms of churches to feed different kinds of people. Because no matter what Walmart says on the package, one size does not fit all. And we're going to be different people who can all love one another and respect one another and look up to one another while going to different churches. It happens every day. Join the movement. Become a person of love rather than a brand name Christian. You know, you can be proud of your brand. Just don't be a brand name Christian. We'll talk more about that. Don't be another Jesus and church. We really don't need another one. We've got so many out there that says you need Jesus and our ritual, our clergy, our a moral code that we've decided upon, uh, or our, you know, the way we organize our church, and you have to be in this kind of convention, 
And generally speaking, you also have to dislike who they dislike. I, I don't think that's what God intended. I'm able to worship with most Protestant groups. And I say most because there are some that I'm uncomfortable in. But that's not their fault. That's because they're feeding them. And when I walk in, I'm wired a very different way. If I'm, for example, if, you, if I have to bring a couple up, some of the holiness groups, uh, some of the Pentecostal groups, I'm very comfortable with them until something happens like speaking in tongues and uh, then the music goes and, and it goes all around and there's a lot of noise and I'm not wired to work well in that environment. Uh, you see the face you see here. This is my terrified face. This is my happy face. This is my furious face. God wired me to be a very steady person. And some people look upon that as a lack of emotion, a lack of caring, a lack of warmth. And I'm sorry. And I would change for you in a heartbeat, but I can't. This is how God made me. So while I don't worship with those groups, I don't criticize them. It's obviously feeding them. And they're obviously doing good work. They obviously love Jesus. So, okay. But I can worship with most. But I just can't buy into any system that is narrower than the whole body of Christ. I am not ever again going to be part of a people that is smaller than the body of Christ. And that's merely where I am. And I'm not alone. In survey after survey of people under 40, so it's not just millennials and the next, you know, Gen Z and all the other, it's not just them. People under 40 are not interested in brand names at all. They're not interested in owning things. A lot of them aren't interested in driving. With Uber and Lyft and other options, they're not interested in getting a driver's license. As opposed to people over 40 who, when they were 14, couldn't wait to get 15 to get the permit if that state allowed it. There are so many thing, good things being done by churches, but the under 40s aren't looking around, you know, we, we came from a Baptist church, let's go to a Baptist church. We came from Presbyterian, let's go to a Presbyterian. They're not so much interested that, in that. They're interested in what is a church doing? Now they could be interested in programs for their children or their teens, very legitimate, absolutely. I, I think I would be too if I had children or teens at this stage. My kids are all grown up. But they all had pretty good children programs wherever we went and some real awesome teen programs and that made all the difference. And so I get that. They can shop around for something which is good for their family and don't be mean because they're shopping around. That doesn't mean they're shallow. It means they know what they need and their family needs and the Spirit of God is moving them to look, all right? I get all of that, and the younger folk are also interested more in community care and love and justice than they are in what kind of song you sing or whether the minister wears a jacket or jeans. I think, in fact, what they're looking for is Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, last bit of the, of the chapter, the only person who's ever walked on earth who knows what's going to happen on the day of judgment speaks about it. You would think 
we would have this graven on our windows and memorized as children, and, but we don't. And I think I know why. Jesus turns to a group, the good group, and he says, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I, I had no shelter. You took me in. I was a stranger. You, you visited me in prison. You, I was sick, and you cared for me. Of course, the group there is going, well, we don't remember doing that to Jesus. And he says, as, as, as long as you did it to the least person on the earth, remember that, all those others, all those we've looked down on, if you haven't loved them, you're, it's not going to be a good day for you. He says, you did all this to them. Well done. Come in. I want you to notice what's not there. I want you to be Sherlock Holmes and the Hound of the Baskervilles and think of the dog that didn't bark. That's how he solved that one. Think of the things which are not in Matthew 25. Church name, church organization, singing style, the attractiveness of the minister, the beauty of their facility. None of that's in there. What's in there is ground level, person to person love. So, that's what our safe harbor is all about. And your church may be all about that too. You know, we're not, we don't have an exclusive hold on any of that. Thank Jesus. Because we can't feed everybody. And we can't clothe everybody. We actively support. Those of you that give to us, thank you. You allow us to do this work. And we share. We share with one generation away, which is fighting to end hunger. And which can more efficiently than anybody I've ever seen on the planet deliver fresh food, fresh produce, good stuff, meals that by the time you're done calculating it, all of it, administration and delivery, it's about 10 cents per meal. Real food, fresh produce. They've, uh, they've grown alliances with people. And so when you give to us, we share with one generation away. We also share with GraceWorks which is an amazing place that, that offers shelter, uh, help, and financial help when that's necessary, but a lot of clothes and good clothes, not rags, good clothes, furniture. I, the real stuff that poor people sometimes cannot get ahead enough to get, we pass it on. Why? Matthew 25. So we didn't build this. This was gifted to us by very generous people. And we pay the, the light bill. We pay a rental, really, for the, the equipment. But we've decided not to put money in the ground. We decided not to duplicate the effort of all the other churches. But instead, let's pipe this into the homes of people around the world. So I'm not a Protestant. I'm, I'm just interested in that Matthew 25 passage and in the transfiguration, when God shows Moses and Elijah, and he says, listen to Jesus. Ooh, we'll talk about that one next week. God bless all of you. I hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to inviting you back to the soundstage. Cheers.